I just imagine you in lab being like, is this a fish? And it's like a pen. Like, this is like, <laughs> like your research is just, can you identify fish or not? <laughs> I'd like to think I would have graduated by now if that was the case. That's true. That's a much easier part. Cinema Science, a podcast in which we interview professors, professionals, and graduate students using pop culture references as a talking point. We'll discuss the science behind your favorite movies, games, TV shows, and each episode will feature a new topic and guest who will answer questions from you guys, our wonderful listeners. I'm Heidi, and as always, I'm joined by Anne. Hi, guys. How's it going? Good, good. And today we have Sasha Lux Morgan. How's it going? Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me on the podcast. So you are a grad student, correct? Unfortunately, yes. <laughs> Fighting the battle like the rest of us. <laughs> and you are, uh, whose lab are you in? I'm in Dr. Adam Douglas's lab in the Department of Neurobiology and Anatomy at the University of Utah. And can you give us a little spiel on what you study? So our lab is interested in how brains form circuits that drive behavior. So one of the things that we're basically trying to do is um, we know that fish, we study fish, um, fish have certain behaviors, they swim in certain kinds of ways. Um, and we know that certain things that you do to the fish will make them swim in a certain way. You scare them, they swim in one way. Um, and it's the idea of taking that behavior and putting together a diagram going from um, the thing that scared the fish to the way that the fish tells its muscles to swim away in a certain direction. And so we're interested in um, certain kinds of neurotransmitters that change the system and how everything works together. Sweet. That's really cool research. But we're not talking about that today. Yes. No, we're not. <laughs> On a completely different topic. Yes. <laughs> we have you here as our expert on the movie Gattaca and gene editing. Great movie. It's yeah, very retro. I've heard it's amazing. I have not seen it. And did you not? You didn't watch the movie. For I didn't this do the homework. I'm sorry. <laughs> I knew this was going to come up because that's literally what the whole podcast is going to be about. It's on Amazon. I can't pretend like I've seen it. You guys are going to know. So <laughs> I just thought I'd come out and say it. I haven't seen the movie. I have seen the trailer. All three guys in it look the same. So I have no idea what the movie's well, about. Well, two of them are supposed to look the same. That's okay. a plot point. Ah, I see. And so, the other two are brothers, so. Yeah. So They're supposed to look, look a little similar. Okay, so it sounds like I basically have seen the movie. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds like you figured it out. <laughs> it sounds like I'm the new expert here <laughs> on, the, on this movie I've never seen. Perfect. <laughs> no, if you guys could catch me up just a little bit, though, that would be great. So Gattaca, which, fun fact, Gattaca is spelled using base pairs. DNA, which we'll talk about later. In Gattaca, which is which takes place in the near future, babies are genetically edited so that we can make genetically preferential children. Thank you. Yes, ah. I was trying to think of a way to say that piece. Okay, <laughs> so we have these genetically perfect. Yes, you babies. can guarantee that they won't have a risk of mental illness or heart disease. 
Interesting. Or be short. You can make sure no. that I, I know <laughs> short people. Not a short baby. Um, <laughs> short. And you can select. All babies are short, I think. <laughs> sure they are. You can have tall babies. No, that's terrifying. We have the technology to make tall <laughs> Finally babies. a tall newborn baby. <laughs> the not so distant future. It's <laughs> not right. It's okay. not right. So they, they are able to genetically engineer children, um, but obviously not everybody has been genetically edited. Um, and so it basically creates a subclass of people called invalids. And those are the people whose parents didn't or couldn't afford to um, have them be genetically perfected. Um, and so our hero in this movie, his parents just accidentally knocked up his mom. Conceived him in love, they said. Oh. <laughs> so he is born and they're like, oh shit, your kid's kind of normal and maybe he has a heart murmur. Mm-hmm. And he's not going to be tall. So he hasn't had these upgrades that are available. He's just like a normal shitty human. Um, <laughs> the rest of us. <laughs> just like the rest of us garbage people. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So uh, his parents decide they want to have a second kid and this kid, they get um, all the bells and whistles, all the modifications. And so He's like taller than his younger brother and faster and smarter and better at everything and doesn't have a heart murmur and <laughs> his dad loves him more. Ugh, um, so we have to have childhood feelings about our parents not loving us. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then what winds up happening is Vincent, the, the older brother, um, decides that he wants to go to space. Um, but instead he's just like washing windows in the basically like – spacex before spacex was invented um because in the society um basically your genetics determine what types of jobs you can have because they don't really interview you for position they just look at your genetics and like all right your genetics say that you're going to be really smart so you're probably good for this position the most implausible thing about all of this is the rate at which they can do um Whole genome sequencing. Oh, yeah. It's like they like take like a Q-tip and stick it in your mouth and like stick it in a machine and it's like twelve seconds later, yeah. like we can look at your entire genetic code. And I mean, that's what they do on CSI. I wish that's that true. was how. Could you imagine <laughs> how nice that would be if research moved at that speed? That's why I was late getting down here. I was genotyping. <laughs> of course, felt really appropriate. Of course, <laughs> sequenced your whole genome. <laughs> so I just I don't know much about this movie, but I do know it came out in 1997, and the human genome wasn't even completely sequenced until 2003. Exactly. They didn't even... That was still not even a real thing at that point that movie came out. It was... Well, and in one scene that's not really important, but um, one of the characters goes and gets somebody else's genome sequenced um, without their knowledge because she wants to, like, find out if he's going to be good to make babies with um, because that's totally normal and healthy. Um... (laughs) And they give her a printout of his genome. And it's like like a like a poster size piece of paper, maybe. Uh. And it's like the the human genome is way longer than that. If you wanted to write out the entire thing, you would need like reams and reams and reams of paper. And she's like walking out with this like dainty little roll of paper. Well, I also love that she's just looking at the genome and being like, that's nice. She knows what this is. It's just like just A G C like there's no Great. It's cute. <laughs> Great. I like the look of that gene. So, right. He's completely estranged from his family. He's working as a custodian mm-hmm. and wants to be able to 
go to space. So be like a, a engineer that designs the um, trajectories of these spacecraft going to Titan. And but like nobody's going to give him a chance because he's invalid. Um, and he has the genes that indicate he's probably going to drop dead of heart problems at like 31. So he basically goes to the underground black market and meets a sketchy guy who's like, I know a guy who is valid, who has these genetic modifications, but he fell off a horse and broke his back. Um, so he can't work and he doesn't have any money. Um, but you kind of look like him and you can pretend to be him and then you can go get a job and give him lots of money and everyone will be happy. Except like being him is really complicated. So there's this like elaborate system where he has to make like false fingertips that has that guy's blood in them. So when they do a blood sample at work every morning, he reads as this other guy. Oh, so he has to scan in as this other person. Yeah, so it's it's Jude Law is the the guy who's paralyzed, um, and Ethan Hawke is the guy pretending okay. to be Jude Law. So you do look alike. You do. <laughs> <laughs> Your dudes looking alike problem is really legit. Um, and I was just thinking they can sequence and edit genes, but not solve paralysis. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that okay. one's hard. Apparently. Sure. What I also loved is that so every time they collected a sample from a person to show if they're valid or invalid, this with all this technology they have, their the photography. So <laughs> like it's the, like, um, you, do you have a Costco card? Yes. Oh, oh yeah. It's like a Costco oh, card level of bad picture. Like three yeah. pixels. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's so bad, and that's really oh, the reason no. why he can get away with it is because okay. they like. I mean, Sasha's going to get to it, but they like flash this guy's picture. Because he gets suspected of something later on in the movie, and they're like, "We can't find him," and it's like, "Yeah, because you have three pixels of this guy's face." <laughs> of course not. But we can oh, sequence a genome right. with okay. something the two size seconds. of an iPhone, yeah, on the side of the highway in two seconds. Yeah, because that's wow. anyway. Yeah. So he's pretending to be Ethan Hawke is pretending to be Jude Law, and so he's doing all these elaborate things like leaving hairs and eyelashes on his desk so that like. If anybody is, like, checking, they think okay. it's his DNA and they're not, you know, so he has to be really careful to not leave any of his own genetic material around, but only to leave stuff from Jude Law. So Jude Law has this, like, crazy room full of, like, blood and urine samples and hmm. nail <laughs> clippings and hair. As and you do sometimes. And dead just skin. Dead skin and just, like, really normal, She just wants to fill up an extra room. Yeah. <laughs> the sort of things you'd put in there. I mean, don't. I mean, what do you keep in your basement? Yeah. yeah. I guess. <laughs> and in the course of all this, um, Ethan Hawke's character, Vincent, has to, he realizes that he is four inches shorter, two inches shorter, a number of inches shorter inches, yeah. um, than Jude Law. And so they have to go in and basically break his legs and put in metal plates to make him taller this is just some that guy on the ridiculous. street who does this. Is this. Just like yeah. in his living room. What? And then if they're just going by the genome, though, why would this is? Yeah, this I guess he if he is maybe he like stands out because he's so short. If everyone else is so tall, yeah, I think they're yeah. like they do check them periodically. I can't remember if he visits the doctor every week or oh, every day. Okay, so they're like there are like this. yeah, they, they do have check to be them like up and down. Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
Um, so then, so he's at this space company and one of the bosses gets murdered and everybody's like, oh, how could this be? None of our employees have been screened to have violent tendencies. Like mm-hmm. things like this don't happen here. No one has the murder gene. Um, <laughs> no one has the, the murder gene. just a murder gene. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> Clearly. Um, don't pass that on to your kids. Jude Law, not Jude Law, sorry. Ethan Hawke accidentally leaves an eyelash at the scene of the crime and a detective picks it up and scans it and says that there's an an invalid spoiler alert the detective is his brother oh so So he knows immediately who he knows immediately who it is he's like oh shit that's my my brother and that he shouldn't be working in that company yeah well his brother was on record of having worked as a custodian in that company a couple years earlier but it doesn't make sense that they'd be like just finding an eyelash now. Yeah. Um, so it turns into this whole thing where the like old grizzled detective who's the like brother's like buddy cop partner mm-hmm. um, who basically just spends the entire movie yelling, I'm too old for this shit. Oh my God, is that where that came from? <laughs> <laughs> Are these, is this just a Gattaca it's reference? Just, it's just like it's, such a good, like, it's yeah. like just such a trope. I did come from from retirement. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. I've done a lot of movies in the 80s. And he the wears movies. a fedora. Oh, like, right. yeah. yeah. It's yeah. everything you want. I love it. <laughs> um, the perfect detective partner. <laughs> do you want to pick it up from here? Yeah, so from here, um, Ethan Hawke's DNA is found at the scene. And like Sasha said, he is immediately the first suspect because valids don't have the murder gene in them. So clearly it has to be the invalid who did the murdering. Um, so at this point, Ethan Hawke is panicking and he's trying he's trying to convince Jude Law that he should probably just, you know, get out. Like, I'm not going to do this anymore. But Jude Law convinces him that, like, nope, you've come this far. He's supposed to actually go into space, like, later that week. Oh, an important note, the guy who was murdered was super against this space launch going off this week. So there's motive there. Uh, yeah. But of course, they ignore that. And obviously, a custodian will want to probably murder the uh, the director. Because that makes sense. With a keyboard. The good with a keyboard. Oh, yeah, that's right. He oh, was beats his, beats his head oh. in with a keyboard. Wait, so who did it? Spoilers, <laughs> Anne. I gotta know now. We're not now I'm really the into movie. this yeah. movie. Because <laughs> yeah. it's almost like I should have just watched it. Yeah. <laughs> so while all this investigation stuff is going on, Ethan Hawke, you know, even though he's terrified, starts dating that girl who sequenced his whole ge- uh, genome. Yeah, Ooh. sequenced his whole genome because... She thought he was a good match. And so they go on some really awkward dates. Like one of the dates, they um, go watch this piano player who's been genetically altered to have six fingers on each hand. So it makes him amazing at piano. (laughs) This piece can only be played with 12 fingers. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The woman he's on a date with is Uma Thurman with really bad eyebrows. Oh, yeah, she did have really bad eyebrows. Eyebrows were bad in the 90s. We all suffered through that. Oh, yeah. And also, Uma Thurman's character also has a heart rumor. It's a heart condition. (laughs) So they found each other. So they go on a couple of awkward dates, and we don't have to go through all the details, but Ethan Hawke's brother is chasing him around, trying to figure Mm. out whether or not his brother actually did this. Um, So there are a couple of opportunities for them to um, to actually collect... Um, DNA from Ethan Hawke, but Ethan Hawke is just so goddamn clever that he outsmarts them at every turn. 
So eventually they do find the killer, and it turns out that it was not Ethan Hawke. Spoilers. Uh-huh. It's actually um, <laughs> Ethan Hawke's boss who, like, worked under the director but was also called, like, Director, like I didn't guy. understand <laughs> what his role explain was. Explain the whole he wasn't like, like organizational flowchart. No, he was just like old cranky boss man uh, yeah. who would like show up in scenes uh, periodically. But he really wanted the space launch to happen, so he okay. um, beat he his boss to death with a keyboard. Sorry. So they found out who so actually out who did he is. It. Yeah, and in the process of all this, Uma Thurman does figure out that Ethan Hawke is not who he says he is, mm-hmm. but she stands by her man. You mm-hmm. know doesn't question it until like i think i think she questions it for questions it for like 10 minutes and then he says he's sorry and then she forgives him even though she doesn't know for sure that he's not actually the murderer at that point but you know no one's perfect <laughs> <laughs> just a little a little murder keeps that that spark in the relationship it's exciting <laughs> um so ethan hawk it's the end of the week he's getting ready for his trip Jude Law reveals that he has collected enough samples for Ethan Hawke to basically live him, live as him for two lifetimes. And then Ethan Hawke is heading towards Gattaca, going to get on the ship. And then there's one last test. He has to give one last sample. And he didn't bring any of his Jude Law's DNA. And so he's doing his fingerprint or urine sample, I can't remember. And the doctor is talking to him, being like, you know, my kid really looks up to you. He really loves you. My kid, he's he doesn't think he can make it here. Or is he invalid? I can't remember. He, like, they didn't completely screen out everything. And yeah. his kid has some genetic yeah. something. Yeah. So when Ethan Hawke's face comes up, the doctor just looks at it and changes it to Jude Law's face. And it's he basically... Knew. He yeah. did him a solid... <laughs> <laughs> And also Jude Law commits suicide, which was oh, so sad. It's like the worst way possible. It really was. And he incinerates himself. Yeah. Just like they have, well, they have like an incinerator shower in their apartment. Because <laughs> that's normal. Like he lives With like in a no safeties. Place. <laughs> like, so he just like climbs in the, the shower and then like just oh. turns it on. And then the other guy goes and just lives out his dream life as Jude Well, they don't really show what happens. They just show him going to space and he's like, well, my heart might give out now that I'm in space. Yeah. Who the fuck knows? Astronauts do go through a very extensive physical (laughs) testing and I assume there's reasons behind that besides like perfect genetics. There's legitimate reasons why you wouldn't want a bad heart probably or something. I guess he'll... Not in the future, Anne. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's for the sequel of Gattaca, I guess. <laughs> Does his heart murmur come back? Kill him in space. They should not make a sequel. Please, movie producers, do not make a sequel. Just, just leave it they're as just is. They're just going to reboot it. That's what they're doing nowadays. I know. It'll be a Netflix series. Yeah, probably. <laughs> but it's just someone doing PCR. Because <laughs> <laughs> they decided to make it more realistic. <laughs> Like a team of crying a grad very, students. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Being like, this is so unrealistic. My <laughs> arms hurt. Can I stop yet? We don't have the right primers. <laughs> we have to wait another week. And then it's a week of what the grad student does during that week. <laughs> so I guess it's good they took some scientific liberties for the sake of the movie. Because it would otherwise be like yeah. we'd still be watching it, having started okay. it in 1997. That's so. <laughs> yeah. But there's some like. There's some science 
scientific basis to the movie. I guess we were hoping for you to just tell us more about the science. The science. So. Um, yeah, let's start with like one of the basic questions. So what exactly are genes and how do they make us who we are? So every cell in your body um, has a full set of genes in it. And what genes basically are is basically, uh, you can think of it like computer code. So in computer code, you have zeros and ones. Um, in genes, you have four base pairs, A, T, C, and G. Gattaca. <laughs> and through that combination of four letters, um, it basically writes out the entire sequence of every protein in your body. Um, and so it's the full set of instructions. So every mm. cell in your body has the full mm. set of instructions, in theory, um, to make another full copy of you. Um, and so if you leave, you know, if we're going for the, like, CSI angle, if you leave one cell at a crime scene, mm -hmm. um, they should be able to pick up that one cell and look at your genes in it and sequence it and then say, um, because the genome is so long and there's so much variation that can happen, um, oh, this genome can only belong to Sasha Lux Morgan. Okay. Um, and there's no way it'll belong to anyone else. <clears throat> hmm. And so we're, we've been talking about sequencing and stuff, but just to sort of uh, define that, I guess. Sequencing is when you would take all of the genetic data, essentially, and have the base pairs written out. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there's different ways of doing that that um, you probably don't actually want me to go into the details of. <laughs> no, it's um, all right. But it's, it's a way of taking your genetics from a cell and getting a computer printout. Okay, cool. So we can sequence the genes in our body, but can we actually manipulate them? Can we actually edit them like this movie is suggesting? So um, it's not really a thing that people are doing in humans so much, um, just because there's a lot of things that can go wrong when you're manipulating genes. Um, but it is something that um, in my lab we've been able to do really successfully in zebrafish. So... For us, there's two main kinds of changes that we do. We either add something to the genome or we delete something from the genome. Very cool. And I imagine, though, that one of the reasons you can do this is because the zebrafish's genome's much simpler than a human's. Is that right? Or is it just better studied? Is there... Part of it is that it's better studied. Um, I mean, but at this point, we have a complete sequence of both the zebrafish genome and the human genome. Um, but the main reason why people do a lot of genetics experiments in zebrafish is that unlike humans, baby fish develop um, just outside of the, the fish's body. So they're just eggs that sort of float around in a tank of water. Um, so it's really, really easy to go in and um, basically inject whatever DNA you want to add into the genome right into the, into the cell. Whereas with huh. people, that's harder a little to harder to get, get to. at yeah <laughs> yeah that's fair so what i guess how are you doing this what tools are you using for one set of tools when we add dna in it's called toll 2 um and it's basically an enzyme and you put it into the zebrafish embryo with some dna that you want to add so maybe you want to make it so that the zebrafish will glow bright green um and so you would take that green fluorescent protein and this enzyme um inject them into the embryo, and then what the enzyme will do is it'll take two spots on the zebrafish genome and basically flip in the gene 
for the green fluorescent protein, and then that gene is permanently part of the zebrafish's genome, and all of its children will express that gene, and they'll all be bright green. So for when we want to cut things out of the genome, so I work on a gene um, called oxytocin, and so one of the first things I did during my project was to start working um, to develop a zebrafish that didn't have any oxytocin. And so to do that, our lab and then um, Florian Engert's lab at Harvard and Jamie Gagnon's lab, um, he just started here at the U, we all collaborated on working together to use a tool called CRISPR to take this gene out of the genome. So CRISPR stands for Clustered Regularly Interspaced Short Palindromic Repeats. Okay. <laughs> that is a mouthful. <laughs> yeah, I have it written down. Basically what CRISPR is, it's a way you take some genes from bacteria that make enzymes that chop up DNA in a certain way, um, and you basically hijack them and get them into other cells that you want to change, and you give them basically DNA instructions, RNA instructions. So you say, I really care about this one tiny stretch of the genome and I want you to go chop out a piece of it. Um, and so you take your CRISPR enzyme and your, they're called guides, um, and you put them all into the same cell and they form, they all sort of bind together into a complex. And then it's like basically scissors that match up to a template and then just chop out that part of the genome. And that sounds really easy because it is really easy, the kind of thing that like you could pretty easily do in your house without mm. too much trouble. Interesting. Which you should not do in your house. <laughs> like, don't be a biohacker, please. <laughs> we are not condoning that. I want to talk uh, about that afterwards. Yeah. Some shit. <laughs> but yes. But not while we're recording. No, not while we're recording. <laughs> So, so CRISPR has been really popular in media right now. It is, and it has been. So it's a pretty, pretty new technique for um, genome modification. It was developed by Jennifer Doudna, and there's a whole other set of stuff with like competing claims for who invented it. It was totally Jennifer Doudna. <laughs> <laughs> So um, one of the reasons it's been in the news a lot is that people are starting to get really excited about the possibility of using CRISPR on people. So there are actually some clinical trials that are getting underway in the United States. There are some in China mm. that are going, but there's some real like ethical and scientific concerns about them from what I've read. But the two in the United States um, that people have been excited about, um, one is a clinical trial for um, cancer. Um, and so finding ways to, especially if it's a cancer where you know the genetic cause, it's like one specific gene that's causing the problem, being able to go in, delete that gene out, and then cure that person of their cancer. And the other one that's currently paused by the FDA was to treat sickle cell disease. So it's another disease where we know the genetic cause and we'd be able to go in and make these changes. Mm -hmm. So are these changes being made in adults or are they being made in babies? So these would be in adults. So this is gene therapy rather than like genetic modification, mm -hmm. designer babies. So it's a little bit different, but in theory, the techniques that you would use for making modifications for something like sickle cell disease or cancer, you could just use in a human embryo and then have your designer baby. There are obviously ethical issues with that, however. <laughs> All right. So speaking about the ethics of genetic editing, we actually have a question here from one of our many listeners. At Michael C. Pace asks, 
Why do you think people shy away from gene editing technology, and how can we decrease the stigma surrounding it, especially for when proven and safe therapies are developed using it? I think that's a huge question, but I also think it's it's one of the more interesting questions about working in genetics right now. People are scared of the unknown, um, and gene editing is unknown. Mm-hmm. So you see it. One of the places right now that people, when people think about genetic modifications is GMO foods. GMO foods are safe. People are terrified of them because they think that it's going to be something that's bad for them or bad for their families or bad for the planet when it's like there are all these amazing possibilities. And if right. people are scared of you know genetically modified soybeans, like we've got a long way to go before people are going to be comfortable with genetically modified humans. That's true. And not only are the GMO foods safe, they're often better. That's the whole purpose of them oftentimes. Mm-hmm. They need less water or they lead to more... Abundant Fruit, crops, yeah. or they're, they're more disease resistant. Yeah. They have like the yellow, the golden rice. Um, yeah, that they've been trying to develop in um, nations where famine is a problem with vitamin C. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but you're right. If someone's going to get upset about rice, they're going to get upset of about rice, some babies. Yes. Scared about designer <laughs> babies, even <laughs> if it is just you know sickle cell anemia is something that could be it's life threatening. But if you could cure it somehow, that would be obviously a very beneficial thing. I think it's more of where the line is. Exactly. And that's yeah. the question is, you know, so what what becomes a disease that's bad enough that we should be able exactly. to, you know, I have a friend whose son has a one, a single base pair mutation that caused him to entirely not develop an immune system. And he's almost died like several times. So if they could have gone in and fixed that one, you know, mm-hmm. I think he has a T instead of a C on one gene on his Y chromosome. Wow. But that's the sort of thing CRISPR can do. But that's the sort of thing CRISPR can do really easily right now. Mm -hmm. I joke that I'm just going to CRISPR her kid sometimes. Um, (laughs) He's cute. (laughs) I've seen pictures. He is cute. So... You know, so that's that's a really obvious one for people. They're like, well, that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's obviously like that's just a mistake. Like we should just go fix that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the place where you start into, into more difficult ethical quandaries are things like Down syndrome, where people with Down syndrome live healthy and fulfilling lives. Mm-hmm. But a lot of families don't want to raise a child with Down syndrome. So you, you will see cases where people will do um, if they're doing in vitro fertilization, pre-implantation genetic screens, and if they notice that their this potential child, this embryo, would develop Down syndrome, they'll be like, eh, not that embryo. Right. Um, so we're already a little bit living in in that world of mm-hmm. Gattaca where people are able to pick selective characteristics. Right. So in Gattaca, they're not only um, editing the genome to decrease the possibility of certain disease states, they're also changing some aspects of people that are a bit abstract. So, for example, personality, like we we're joking about, you know, getting rid of the murder gene. How possible is that? Well, um, how possible is it, do you think, that we will actually be able to pin down one gene that's the murder gene? <laughs> Very good question. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I, you know, I would be shocked if we were able to get to that point. I don't know. I don't think we're going to get to that point with personality traits. Personalities are too complex and brain development is too complex. And it's not just genetics. It's also environment. But that 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 becomes the question of if we're willing to do genetic modifications for um, diseases that people would consider really, really debilitating, 
well, what if we determine that there's a single gene for asthma? Like, are we going to be okay with making genetic modifications so that kids don't have to have asthma? Asthma can be really bad for some kids. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think one of people's fears is that it's a slippery slope and we start off with um, sickle cell diseases Mm -hmm. and we wind up, you know, picking our baby's eye colors. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's only a thing that rich people can do, which is the other part of the concern. Well, one of the things about... CRISPR, you said it's being used in clinical trials right now. It's being used in adults. adults. Is that correct? Yes. So one of the things with CRISPR, though, is you have to introduce it into the cells. And so if you had something that was, you know, more than just your blood cells, if it was something that was like uh, delivering CRISPR basically to every single cell in an adult is much, much more difficult than delivering a CRISPR tool into something that's just a single cell embryo or something like that much harder to modify a whole organism than it is to modify Mm -hmm. like one one embryo one single cell Mm -hmm. because you only have to go in Mm -hmm. um and make that that cut in the in the genome once one of the other concerns with CRISPR is that Um, Depending on how carefully your guides are designed, um, how similar the piece of DNA you're trying to edit is to other parts of the genome, you can have off-target effects where, Mm -hmm. you know, you think you're only making changes in one gene, but you might actually be making changes in a dozen other places. So that's another reason that I think people can be really wary of making these these modifications in people. Right. Like, what are some ways that we can help? Like get rid of this stigma or approach it? So I think one of the most important things that scientists can be doing right now is actually to be getting really involved with policy and, um, and, and politics, actually. We have so many legislators that we hear talking about issues of science, and they're the people making rules and laws and guidelines around this, who I don't think could pass a high school biology class. Um, and so the only way that we're going to get people thinking about these issues better and get regulations that make sense um, and that are actually scientifically sound is if scientists start meeting with their representatives and start going to lobbying days on the Hill and yeah, running for office and, and getting involved. And that's sort of been my like push recently, but please register to vote and then do that. Have you ever heard the science and technology um, subcommittee talk uh, about things. No. I bet that's terrifying but to listen I, to. Yeah. One of, I think the chair, um, maybe three or four weeks ago, said that the reason we're seeing the rise in sea levels. Oh, I heard about this. Which, mm. <clears throat> I'm already Spoiler, <laughs> the answer is global warming, um, was because there were a lot of rocks falling into the ocean and it was making the water seem higher because there were more rocks. You think it. maybe it was a lot of icebergs melting into the <laughs> no, ocean? It was, he saw some <laughs> rocks know. fall into the Just water on pebbles. the beach. <laughs> the pebbles are clearly bringing up the he water. He was like <laughs> skipping stones and like, like, shit, I contributed to it. <laughs> anyway, yeah. these are the people who are making these decisions about how and whether we're allowed to genetically modify babies and treat cancer with these incredibly advanced techniques and Mm -hmm. they shouldn't be yeah one of the other issues too is that like a lot of scientific information is just not available to the public so the public isn't necessarily getting educated on these things too there aren't very many outlets for the public to be like all right let me look at this paper and see what is CRISPR. Mm -hmm. oh cool well, and even if you can track down a copy of the paper, which is hard enough, yeah. the scientific papers are n- not written in an accessible exactly. style. Like, mm-hmm. 
there are times if, if I'm reading a paper from slightly outside of my field of expertise, I have to really like pause and be like, okay, yep, I'm going to be Googling some stuff yep. because it's almost like it's written in a foreign language. Exactly. Yeah. Part of being a grad student is learning how to read scientific papers in itself. I can't imagine not being in grad school and trying to read a scientific paper. Without, you yeah, know, without being trained like in it at all. Years of having it yeah. beaten into exactly. your head. But yes. I think that emphasizes your point of then how are we going to teach people about CRISPR? Well, scientists then need to get involved exactly. in politics because mm-hmm. we can't rely on someone who doesn't speak the language to be making logical decisions. Exactly. Someone needs to be able to speak the language of genetics mm-hmm. and then make informed decisions. So that makes a lot of sense. That's why you should listen to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yahoo questions is always a good place to find what people are thinking. People. (laughs) What are the The people saying? Yeah, what the masses think. (laughs) Vox Populi. (laughs) But one of them I found says, is it possible to edit human DNA for advantageous purposes such as enhanced strength? Since gene therapy is in use for replacing bad genes, couldn't you replace normal ones with better ones? And would there be no side effects like steroids? So in theory, yes. If we knew enough about a specific gene that we knew what a, a perfect replacement would be, yeah, we, we would be able to go in, delete out the bad gene or the normal gene, and then replace it with the awesome gene. But if this was an adult and they wanted enhanced strength, they'd have to be, you're not just hitting one cell. You'd have to be able to get CRISPR into. And there are ways of doing that. Yeah. Yeah. You could use viruses. Um, it would be an extensive. It would be yeah. an extensive, <laughs> an extensive process. The other problem is, um, and I, I've seen this other places in sort of like pop science conversations, but, you know, if you wanted to have, take muscles from, a tiger, I don't know, some other ridiculous animal, and then swap out your own muscles with tiger muscles. Um, The problem with that is just because you give a cell a set of instructions, like, doesn't mean that it's necessarily going to know what to make or that it's going to make it correctly, especially if you're taking instructions from a tiger and and (laughs) sticking them into a human are you saying our bodies don't speak tiger (laughs) i that is that is what i'm saying you are shattering my dreams right now i know (laughs) anamorphs lied to you it It made it look so easy on those photos too (laughs) those like holographic covers they just very gradually change (laughs) so classy Gosh, so it's not as easy as the it's, animorphs. It's, it's not as easy as animorphs. That's the that's the takeaway from this episode. <laughs> um, and you know, the, there are risks to any sort of modification. You could accidentally change the wrong part of your genome, or the gene that you give it could not work. So, saying that there'd be no side effects like steroids, you, it probably wouldn't be the same side effects mm-hmm. as steroids. But mm-hmm. it, I wouldn't say that it was safe or recommended. And we did mention the human, the whole human genome's been sequenced, but A, that's not true for all animals. Is that there? There okay. are lots of animals we have not sequenced. Okay, that's I'm not actually even done sure. Tiger? I don't know. We need to get on that tiger sequencing. Somebody, Somebody needs the tiger. to go sequence that tiger. <laughs> but also, we don't know, just because we have the sequence, we don't know what it means necessarily. Right. right? I mean, yes, absolutely. Um, there are whole sequence stretches of the genome where. We we don't know what it means. And there's whole whole regions of the genome that for a long time people have called like junk DNA that they thought didn't do anything important and was basically just like useless stuff left over from millennia of evolution. 
Um, except it turns out that it does a lot of really important regulatory stuff. <laughs> uh, of yikes. So you don't want to go so cutting that out. You don't, you don't want to just like chop into things that yeah. you don't know what you're doing because you might break yourself. That advice can be applied to many things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't cut your own hair, kids. <laughs> you're too late, Sasha. I've tried that. <laughs> it was very bad. <laughs> So kind of along the same lines of super strength. So someone else was asking, um, can the process of gene splicing grant supernatural abilities, such as some of the most unlikely powers like electricity, like electric eels in the ocean is the example they give. Again. Can you create abilities from scratch? <laughs> I'm going to go with no, not really. Not in, the, not in this like you know, I want to have the ability to zap people right now. Like the, the way the, I know actually a fair amount about the way that electric eels produce current, which is totally a useful thing to know. <laughs> and like, there's just like a whole, it's not just like, it's like one gene that you add and then you can do it. There's like a whole, it's like a whole organ that mm -hmm. we don't have as people that you'd have to grow all of the constituent parts of that organ and then get it all working together and then get it so that it like, was happy with being, you know, human temperature and in a human. And so this CRISPR is sounding more and more disappointing. <laughs> you said CRISPR was revolutionary. It is revolutionary <laughs> when it works. Uh, okay. When it works. When it works. <laughs> Some conditions but, may apply. But it doesn't not turn you <laughs> yeah. into an electric eel. Uh, You're saying it doesn't sorry. work the way we want it to work. Yes. No, I mean, it's, it's a really powerful tool. It's really fast. You can do it all in your own lab. But there's still limitations. Like, I've been working on making a specific fish with a specific mutation in two receptors, and I've been at it for, like, seven or eight months, mm -hmm. just trying to make sure that, you know, when the CRISPR goes in and it makes these deletions, you don't always necessarily have a lot of control over exactly what the deletion is going to be. And so sometimes it's it doesn't make the changes you want or the change it's taken out too much of the genome. And so there is, there's a fair amount of control, but at the same time, like don't turn yourself into an electric eel. Uh, I also, it's science just, isn't it's, there yet. It's not there yet. It's, I mean, <laughs> we're going there. It's, it's, someday. it's too complex. Like if you wanted to do something yeah, like yeah. take one part of your hand and express green fluorescent protein in it, like that's, doable because that's one protein that you need to express in one body part but to develop electric eel powers is it's a, there's a lot of steps so all i heard there is we're one step closer to becoming green lantern so there's hope yes yeah there's, there's, there's always hope there's always hope <laughs> science runs on hope and grad students <laughs> coffee it runs on and coffee coffee. <laughs> yeah. coffee replaces that hope as it yeah, as hope dwindles, <laughs> coffee use increases. Exactly. We've talked a little bit about what can happen if you have like a mutation with a base pair, for example, but someone was asking on Yahoo generally, well, so what is a condition caused by defective genes? And we can expand that to like, what are a couple of examples of some diseases that are caused by mutations? So one of the most common neurological diseases that people talk about having um, a specific genetic cause is Huntington's disease. Um, and they can actually go in and do a genetic screen and tell you, um, you know, you have a certain likelihood of developing Huntington's later in life. So what is Huntington's disease? Huntington's is a neurodegenerative disease. Um, and it's, it's a really unpleasant disease to have. It's fatal. 
Um, and basically in the gene Huntington, um, there's a segment of base pairs that repeats a bunch of times when it shouldn't. Um, and so if you have these repeats, then you're more likely to have the disease. So does it repeat in multiple places of the genome or just in one spot so it's easy just, to cut out? Just, just in one spot. So in theory, you could go in, um, especially let's say you're a parent who realizes um, that you have Huntington's, but you want to have kids and you don't want to pass on the disease. In theory, they could do in vitro fertilization and then take one of the embryos and chop out that, that segment. Um, although more likely they would just try to find an embryo that didn't have the mutation mm -hmm. to begin with. Is the Gattaca movie more science or fiction? Fiction, 100% fiction. <laughs> yeah. You're like, that's like... Bare minimum. The, the rate at which they can sequence a genome yeah. and the amount of paper they think it fits on. Like, and that photography, come on. And the photography is so bad. Um, I mean, it is a gorgeous, with the exception of those, the photography and the IDs, it is a gorgeous movie. It's yes. got a really beautiful aesthetic. Very, like, fun 1950s retro. Yeah. But it's it's fiction. Nobody's iPhone can sequence an entire genome. One hundred percent fiction. But like we sort of said earlier, it wouldn't really make for a good movie if it was one hundred percent science. No, no, no one would watch it. Really bad movie. No um, I mean, you know, the, the fear that people have about designer babies is is definitely like this movie plays into that fear really well mm -hmm. because everybody's fear isn't. Oh, I'm going to have this awesome designer baby. It's going to be, oh, I'm going to have the shitty normal baby that can't compete. And that's in there. And the sort of the economic disparity is in there. So, you know, if you have more money, you mm -hmm. can, you know, if you have more money, you can pay for in vitro fertilization. Yeah, and it's already happening. Though. It's already happening. Yeah. Better access to medicine. Would you rather be Ethan Hawke or Drew Locke? No, Ethan Hawke or his brother, whose name oh, we yeah, talk about. His brother, who will remain, <laughs> remain nameless. Detective brother. Detective yeah. brother. Well, okay, so Ethan Hawke's character is um, Vincent Anton. Yeah. And oh, Anton yeah. is the dad's name. Oh, yeah. When he was born, the doctor was like, oh, your kid's got a heart problem. And the dad was like, I know I was going to name him Anton, but now he can be Vincent Anton. <laughs> and then when his brother was born, his dad was like, name that one Anton. No. So it's like, he didn't even just change it to Vincent. Oh it was God. Vincent Anton. It's like, you could have been my favorite yeah, son, but you're not. But I'm going to save it for the next one. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty gonna much. Save name for I'm going to save it for the, the better the child. Son. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, would you? This is the question. Would you rather your parents love you or not love you? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like the question. Listen, the unloved child went to space. Right. That's all I'm saying. All right. Well, also, the unloved child was able to swim farther than the loved child. Oh. We didn't talk about that. Well, that's that's true. Just swimming a was a big metaphor. It was <laughs> swimming was a big, as is always in a science fiction. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I swim would... and have feelings in the ocean. Ugh. You need to turn back. <laughs> I was tired watching that. <laughs> the first wave comes over them. I'm like I'm done. Nope, I'm out. Turn Fuck this. Like the point of going to the beach is to drink wine yes. on the beach. <laughs> and relax. <laughs> what is this? Yeah. <laughs> guys are great. Guys are swimming. Doing You're both defective. <laughs> yeah. Huh. So I didn't see the movie, but based off of your guys' very good summary, I'd rather be the 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 son that was loved <laughs> by the parents. The one that had like special abilities his whole life. So he's always gonna have special abilities. He's always had them. His parents clearly like him more. 
And I'm scared of space, so that's not really a very good selling point. I would not go to space regardless of my skill set. So. I guess we really didn't learn much about Detective Brother, did we? Like, yeah. he was the most boring character oh, in the whole movie. So he's basically the boring a, one then. a cardboard yeah. cutout. Yeah, he <laughs> But he doesn't okay. go to space. Yeah, so. So I'd go, I choose whoever doesn't go to space is really my true answer. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Heidi? Because hmm. I feel like... My, my data collection is very biased from the fact that I saw everything from the invalid, invalids, invalids oh. <laughs> point of view. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, considering the society, yeah, I guess I would also want to be the loved brother. Privilege is a good, like, helps people out. <laughs> I don't want to have to work hard. <laughs> I know you. You really want to be like I want to like I yeah. identify with the Ooh. the like underdog like. I want to be the the yeah. invalid brother, but also like it's kind of been my life's dream to be about four inches taller than I am. So <laughs> I'm gonna go with the genetic modification. So you're doing it for the height. I am absolutely, oh, fair enough. Okay. absolutely. Alrighty. Well, well, sounds like we're in agreement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, sorry, Ethan Hawke. Sorry, Ethan Hawke. You were you're great. clearly the worst. Yeah. Well, he did get Uma Thurman in the end. Well, but then he went to space and maybe died. So that's yeah. true. He, did Uma he still has in the a end. heart murmur, and she had those eyebrows. Yeah, so. those eyebrows. I don't think I could marry a woman Gosh. with eyebrows like that. <laughs> like, okay, Uma Thurman's like probably super attractive but if you put eyebrows like that Mm-mm. i'm now desperately trying to remember <laughs> what my eyebrows looked like at my wedding in hopes that i'm like not being <laughs> no. a complete ass right oh, now no, i'm saying this knowing i've had terrible oh, yeah. terrible eyebrows. oh absolutely yeah no my eyebrows <laughs> 2003 high was a rough year yeah it was always it's always that high school and yeah mm, someone should have told us someone should have told her but here we all are. I like how you invited <laughs> me on your podcast and all we talked about was eyebrows and murder. <laughs> That's usually the subjects we get back to. Okay, good. Yeah. Regardless of what we intend on That's talking what, about. That's what Tavian Kyle talked about. Yeah. Eyebrows and murder. You I, am, I can tell. Definitely. All grad students just want to talk about eyebrows. <laughs> well, on that note, yeah. thank you, Sasha, for you. being on our episode. Yeah, thank you. What are some ways that our listeners can contact you if they have any questions? So you can follow me on Twitter at Sasha Jessica or on Instagram. Uh, my handle on that is Sasha Lux Morgan. My, that, so that's S-A-S-H-A-L-U-K-S-M-O-R-G-A-N. Fair warning. It's like 20% science, 60% politics, and then like 20% cute animals. <laughs> that sounds like a great Instagram. It's a good mix. Yeah. <laughs> Babies voting dogs awesome. <laughs> what more do you need <laughs> in life not much it's a nice balance <laughs> yep all right well thank you again if you'd like to learn more about our guests research or the topics that were covered in today's episode check out our website at cinemasciencepodcast.com you can find us collectively on twitter at cinemasciencepodcast and you can find heidi at and of Anne doesn't have a twitter but her dog hubble sure does you can find him at hubble gibson our intro and outro music was composed by katie McCartney. You can find more information about him at our website, but also check out his personal website at kaganbreitenbach.com. The first season of Cinema Science was graciously funded by the University of Utah's Neuroscience Initiative. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. Bye!